To start this week's message, what I want to do is I want to show you an interesting photo. And it was taken at a drug bust. And it's a picture of a guy's nightstand. And what I want to ask you in a minute is what you think of this. This guy's nightstand at a drug bust. Look carefully, and then I'm just going to ask you some things at the end and what you think of it. Now, you don't have to respond out loud and share anything, but this guy was arrested for some type of drugs. But I want to show you a few interesting things in the photo. So up in the right-hand corner, there's a New Testament and Psalms, and there's Sun Stand Still, the book by Pastor Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church. Uh, there's also Jesus and We. It's a Life Church bulletin, and there's a church pen there in the middle. And then we have a drug bong and some condoms. Now, who knows? Let's not go down that road too far, but maybe, uh, yeah, let's just not go down that road too far. But knowing it was a drug bust, what do you think of the photo? Like, what are kind of the first things that come to mind? Again, you don't have to share, but just, just to answer it yourself. Because I know oftentimes the first thing I look at is the negative. I, I think, well, obviously this guy was living in sin. He, he, maybe he, he went to church, but if he did, he fell off the bandwagon or they weren't actually preaching the Bible. They didn't do him much good. Maybe he needs to repent of his sins. That's usually what, what I focus on, especially when we're looking at this photo within a church context. But as I sit with this photo, I actually am intrigued by it. I see things a little bit differently the longer I, I sit with it. And when I look at it, I actually wonder, what's this guy's story? Like, what brought him to this point? And how are all of these things kind of together and related? Like, did he, did he grow up in church and fall into the wrong crowd? Did he go through something difficult? Maybe his girlfriend broke up with him. Maybe he lost a loved one. Did he lose his job, fall, fell into drugs then? Maybe he's battled substance abuse his whole life. Maybe his dad was an addict and he just grew up around it, but yet someone invited him to church, someone gave him a Bible or a book, told him to read it, and he actually had it on his nightstand, and he was about to become a miracle. You see, some people, it's, it's so easy for us to be critical when we look at this, but I actually think we might see God working in his life. There, there's a battle going on there. There's this tension but it seems like this guy was seeking or at least willing to go to church with someone and he managed to get his hands on a Bible. And you see, when we started the Well Community Church, it was for people like this guy. It was for people who are searching, people who need hope and need healing. And I, I love this guy because I don't know him, but I see a struggle going on. I just see real life, and the crossroads, the intersection of faith and life. And even though I've never met him, my heart goes out to him because Jesus befriended people like this guy. And that's why the religious leaders got so upset with Jesus because he's looking at this photo too saying, yeah, I can make a miracle out of you. So in fact, Jesus is the one who said in Mark 2.17, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's those who are struggling. It's those who are sick. He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. So we're in a message series called We Are the Church. 
And that's exactly what I want to draw out today. And I want to emphasize and remind you that we together are the church. Each and every single one of us are the church. So would you look at the person next to you and just tell them that we are the church? (laughs) And the title of this week's message is The Miracle That You Need Most. So Father, help us to be your church to carry the good news of the love and grace of Jesus so that people would experience God, the miracle that they need most. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Maybe that was God communicating to me that's coming through my laptop. (laughs) Mark 2 is where we're going to hang out today. So if you have your Bibles with you or you want to use the the red Bibles in front of you, um, Mark 2, it's one of the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm going to show you an awesome story in the New Testament. And it's when Jesus had kind of returned to headquarters. This was kind of home base for him, Cape Renum. And he was essentially teaching at this very large life group or home group or house church. And it was a home filled with people that came to hear the word of God. And in Mark's gospel, scripture says that they gathered These believers or these people that were seeking, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And Jesus preached the word to them. And then some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Scripture goes on to say that since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, These people who are a little bit crazy because they're passionate about getting their friend to Jesus, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And I love this story. My sister-in-law actually preached on this passage a few years back, and she has an incredible message about this called Expanding the Community. And most of you know Chelsea. She's in a wheelchair, and she's paralyzed from the waist down. So to hear this story come from someone who's suffering in a very similar way is just phenomenal. But what I want to do today is I want to show you the types of people that are found in this story. And in fact, you'll find the very same types of people in the church today. So I'm going to show you five different types of people, and you may just want to look at yourself and ask, which one am I? So first, in every church, I promise you, you'll always see someone in need. There's always someone in need. And in this story, it was the paralyzed man who's unable to walk. So he likely would have been a beggar on the streets, and to get anywhere, he had to sit on a mat and expect four strong people to help carry him across town. So this guy was in significant need, and he was dependent upon other people, their generosity and hospitality and care and concern. So as we continue to refer to this person, I just want to name him so that it will be easy to remember, to refer to. So let's call the guy who's lying on the mat, Matt. Easy to remember, right? (laughs) But there's always someone in need, and I wonder which one of us are in need today. Like, if you're anything like me, it's probably a tough question to answer. It's tough to admit, but there are often times that I'm the one in need, 
there are times where I come in and I need prayer. I need healing. And that's what I love with Rona as you lead the prayer team and those services that we have with prayer at the front. Sometimes I need that. There's nothing wrong with being in need. And the truth is right now, if you are in need, if you're battling depression, discouragement, overwhelm, angst, whatever it is, this is a good place to come when you're in need. So maybe you're going through a trial or you've experienced loss. Maybe you feel alone. You're trying to navigate a very complicated world. Or maybe you're struggling to even pay the bills. I mean, the price of eggs, they're not coming down yet. <laughs> it's tough out there. You might be worried about it. How do I put food on the table? How do I pay rent? Which one am I going to choose? Or maybe you've got anxiety in your life and you don't know what to do with it. Or maybe you're the guy with a Bible and a bong right there on your nightstand. But in every church, you see people who are in need. And it's a good place to come because the second thing you'll see in every church is you see someone who cares. You see lots of people who care. And I'm looking at all of you right now, and I know firsthand just how much each of you care. Some more than others, maybe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm serious, though. I know how much all of you care. And if you're thinking, well, I don't care, well, know that you're surrounded by people who care for you. That's why church is such a great place to come to. So in this story, you see four guys who are friends with Matt, the guy lying on the mat. So visualize this with me, and I'm just making it up. It's not in the Bible, but just roll with me. So imagine these guys are at breakfast together. These four guys, they're hanging out, and they're friends with Matt. And let's name the other four guys. So we're going to call them Bubba, Bert, Bo, and Bob. <laughs> Keep it simple. Picture them sitting here at the restaurant, and Bubba says, Hey, because that's how Bubba would talk. Hey, did you hear about Jesus? I heard he raised a guy from the dead. And Bo's like, really? Well, I heard he also healed a blind man's eyes. Then Bert said, hey, if he can do that for them, well, I bet he can do it for Matt. So Bubba says, darn straight, except Bubba didn't say darn. We'll just let you imagine what he said. <laughs> so he says, darn straight, we're going on a road trip. So these four guys went to Matt, they picked him up and they carried him. Who knows how far they went? how much it cost for their travels, how much of a struggle it was to get Matt there, but they wanted to get their friend to Jesus based on what they had heard. But when they got to the house where Jesus was teaching, you see another type of person. Because remember, in every church you see someone who's in need, someone who cares, and you also see someone who's preoccupied. Someone who's preoccupied. The house was full of good people but they were preoccupied. It was packed wall to wall, the biggest life group and house church you've ever seen. It was so full that these four guys couldn't get Matt to Jesus. So I want to try and explain to you what they would have seen. So here's an image of what a first century Jewish house would have looked like. The walls, they're kind of interesting. They would have been built mostly of basalt, which is a dark vol volcanic rock sealed in a certain way. The roofs have these beams. You kind of see the sticks coming out of the side there. They're about every three feet apart. And then on top of that, in between the beams, they put some straw, some clay, and they would put some manure to kind of pack it together. And whenever it rained, the clay would actually absorb the water, and then it would pack into the manu manure, and it would seal the roof. So then on top, you can see kind of grass would grow. So they'd go up there to do work on the roof. They'd go up there maybe to lounge. But then they would also have this outer yard. 
where people could gather. Their door is open in the picture. And what's interesting here is most of the time their door was open. They lived in this culture where if your door is open, it means come on in, you're welcome. And they lived most of the time with their doors open. And how cool would that be if that was our culture? Like right now I walk down the street and most of my neighbor's blinds are even closed, like let alone their doors. But imagine if we we're just full, full, so full of love and we care so much that we just leave our door open and we're like, yeah, come on in. The door's open. And it was so full that when these four guys walked up to get Matt to Jesus, they couldn't even get in the yard. They were kept at a distance. And the people inside, they're all good people, but they were just preoccupied because they were listening to Jesus. The outside door was the man in need, or outside the door was the man in need, but everyone else inadvertently, without meaning to, had their backs to the person who is in need. They were preoccupied because they were listening to Jesus. You can just picture it. Jesus would say something and they'd be like, yes, way to go, Jesus. Mm, good, write that down. Ooh, the Greek word, that's interesting. And they had this little Christian circle and they loved Jesus and they had their Christian bumper stickers and Jesus fish and they had their Christian language, like praise the Lord, hallelujah, brother, amen, sister. And they listened to the latest worship hits and had their favorite podcast, but without knowing it and meaning to, just because they were preoccupied, their body language, their posture, essentially was saying to the person in need, you can go to hell as far as I'm concerned because we're doing our Jesus thing. They didn't mean to, but they just had their little Christian thing going on, and it was good, and they all liked each other, but they didn't realize that they were preoccupied, and they had their backs turned to someone who was in need. So these four guys were about to give up. They're thinking, we can't get Matt to Jesus. And then maybe it was Bo who said, wait, don't forget, with God, isn't there always a way? And maybe someone here needs to hear that today. Maybe you're facing something and you're about to give up on it, but remember, with God, there is always a way. With our God, all things are possible. And some of you, you've been praying for your own version of Matt, possibly. Someone who's far from God, someone who needs healing, hope. They're so far from God. But I'm gonna tell you right now that sometimes those who look the furthest away from God might actually be the closest. We just don't see it yet. We don't see the struggle but there's always a way with God. There's always a way. So like I shared last week, if we want to be a church that's going to reach people far from God, well, we have to be willing to do everything and anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. And to reach people that no one's reaching, well, we're going to have to do some things that no one's doing. And it might get messy. It might look crazy. But just like these four guys who are about to climb up on a roof and dig through the ceiling of someone else's house, well, I think that we've got to give it a shot when the opportunity is there. So back to these guys. They're like, we got to get our friend to Jesus, and we're not going to give up till we do. So they brainstormed. Maybe someone said, well, we can yell fire, and they're like, that's a dumb idea. Someone's like, let's strip down, and they're like, that's a dumber idea. And then finally someone says, okay, let's go up to the roof. Let's just start digging. So Bubba says, well, that's a darn good idea. But again, He's not quite a follower of Jesus yet. He didn't say darned. But he said, Bo, hold my beer. And then he starts digging through the roof or something like that. But these guys start digging a hole in somebody else's roof because they were so determined to get their friend to Jesus. 
And I don't know what happened, but you can picture it, that Jesus is here teaching, and he's talking to this crowded place, and then suddenly the ceiling starts coming down on him, and maybe some rays of light start coming in. And then they're lowering their friend through this, through this hole that they've created. And they're like, you grab a leg, I'll grab an arm, and let's drop him down. And I don't know how long it was and how far of a drop it was. Maybe they think, well, he's already paralyzed, so one, two, three, poof. Like, I don't know. Chelsea would hate that joke. <laughs> but however they did it, they dropped this guy through someone else's roof. And Scripture says this of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Because by the grace of God, he gives us what we do not deserve and can never earn. Our sins are forgiven. They're healed. They're not held against us. And what I love about this is it says, when Jesus saw their faith. Because isn't faith this invisible feeling, like something that we have inside of us? Well, no, it's actually not just an invisible feeling or belief. It's something internal that's so strong that it shows up in our actions. If you want to read more on that, go to the book of James. But as your pastor, I get to see your faith. I can see your faith week after week and in our conversations throughout the week. I can see your faith in the way you show up and in the way you serve and in the way you give and in the way you, you worship, even when there's weeks where it's like, I do not feel like this. I do not want to be here, but I'm going to continue to give him praise. I can see your, your faith in the way you love people who are difficult to love. I can see your faith as you continue to invite people to church, hoping that they'll find the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. It says when he saw their faith. Now, if you're paying attention to the story, what did Jesus do to, for this guy? He says, your sins are forgiven. But that's not why they brought him to Jesus. They brought Matt to Jesus because Matt was stuck on a mat. They brought him to Jesus for healing. And Jesus gave him forgiveness, which shows us this super important principle that sometimes God gives us what we need before he gives us what we want. And that might be where some of you are right now. You're asking for this, but God's giving you that. You want this, but you're getting that. So God may give you what you need before he actually gives you what you want. And how does this work? Well, for example, if you're feeling down, discouraged, depressed, and you're thinking, I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want to be in this, this realm. Well, maybe God is giving you his presence before he's giving you joy. Sometimes he gives you what you need before he gives you what you want. And so what do you see? You see them in every church. You see someone in need. You see someone who cares. You see someone who's preoccupied. And unfortunately, you see someone who's critical. Now, don't point at anyone. We're a small church. Might be awkward. <laughs> but we know what happens. And how do I know it? Well, again, I'll throw myself under the bus. It used to be me. And it's kind of hard to be critical now because I'm kind of the guy it falls on. But Actually, when I became a pastor, I became that much more critical of churches. And I'd go into churches and I'd critique the way they did this or said this or I'd leave and I'd be like, well, that was a dumb message. So what? How does that change my life? And I have worked so hard to confess this before Christ and to ask for his help to help me overcome it because I don't want to be a critical person. Mark 2.6 says, now some teachers of the law, 
the educated folks in the room, the people who should know better. The teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow Jesus talk like that? He can't forgive sins. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're saying, Jesus, you can't forgive him. And I'm sure they looked at the guys on the roof thinking like, hey, you punks up there with the tattoos and skinny jeans digging a hole through the roof. That's not how we do it in the biblical church. But I love it because Jesus doesn't stop to appease the critics. He just continues on and he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. So the man did what? He got up, he took his mat, healed by the power of Jesus, and he walked out in full view of all of them. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Jesus gave him what he needed before he gave him what he wanted. Your sins are forgiven. Now take up your mat, go on your way. You don't need that thing anymore. And again, I don't know who this is for, but God may be speaking to somebody this morning and he's saying, take up your mat. You don't need it anymore. Leave it there. Lay down your drugs. You don't need them anymore. You've got a a power within you greater than anything else that goes inside your body. Tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Let go of it. Let go of the grudge. It's not healing you. It's hurting you. Let it go. Walk on. Go home. Leave behind your shame. Leave the mat behind. You're forgiven. You're healed. You're free. Get get out there and have a party. Tell someone else. Invite them. Tell them who Jesus is and what he does. Leave your mats. Get up and go. Carry on and share my love. So you'll see all of this stuff at church, all these kinds of people in every church. So you have to ask, which one am I? And you might even be two of them. Who knows? You can actually be two. You could be someone in need and someone who cares. Or maybe you're someone in need and you're someone who's critical. You can mix and match. You might be in someone in need, though. And this is a great place to come, if you are, because there's always someone who cares. And by the grace of God, I hope that we care enough to not be preoccupied and not have our backs turned to those who are coming in behind us. But hopefully we'll care enough to look around and we'll say, who needs a little love? And if that's you, if you've been preoccupied, like it's been me many times, let's just call it what it is. If, if we come to church week after week by ourselves, we're preoccupied. Like if I'm not inviting my friends and my neighbors to hear the good news of Jesus, if we haven't brought anybody or invited anybody, I know it's a different thing from the invite to people actually coming. It takes a lot of time. It doesn't happen overnight. But we just have to call it what it is. It doesn't make us bad. It's just, it is what it is. But it's not what God wants us to be. He wants us to be in relationship. Because again, we are the church. And do we exist for us? No, we exist for the world. And some of you, well, you might be the critical person. And if that's the case, well, there's a whole nother sermon for you, but let's not waste time on that (laughs) because let's spend time on the good stuff rather than picking apart other things. And I'm just going to throw it out there too and say, I love you guys and the fact that if you are critical, I don't really know about it. (laughs) Like, I have been part of critical churches and it's crazy what people can pick apart. But 
I'm excited because, like I said at the beginning, I look out and I see people who care. I see people who love, and I see people who want to see this community reached for the glory of God. But which one are you? Someone in need, someone who cares, someone who's preoccupied, or possibly someone who's critical? Because there's one more type, and the other thing is this. We're all someone who can be changed by the grace of Jesus in our lives. All of us. Because Scripture tells us, if anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and everything is made new. So if you're in Christ, you find freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. There's life in Christ. And we're all someone who can be changed. So what do you see in every church? You see person after person after person who can be changed by the grace of Jesus. Don't write them off. Don't write anybody off. But we also have to ask this question. Who don't we see? And it's pretty obvious. You ready for it? I went to seminary for this wealth of knowledge. But the people we don't see are the people who aren't here. I told you it was obvious. (laughs) You don't see the people who aren't here. It could be the lady who was invited and almost went, but she was so afraid that she might not be welcome when she came through the doors because of some of the stuff in her life, and she didn't realize it was actually full of people who cared. Or maybe it was the guy that was invited, but he didn't want to miss the game. Or it was the people who used to go, but after COVID, they just resumed their normal activities, and church wasn't one of them. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir here because you're all here. but I know the struggle's real. And we record our messages, we post them on YouTube and podcasts, and if you're listening online, know that we love you, we miss you. It's better with you, and I hope you know that and feel it. Because friends, we are the church and we exist for the world. It's not about us. So let me show you the guy on the drug bust again. One of the reasons why I love this guy is because there's a time in my life that that could have been my dresser. Like, I walked the fine line between, like, doing the Sunday morning, like, wearing my Sunday best, walking the Christian walk in the sense of at least looking the part. But then I lived a completely different life the other six days of the week. But I know that there were people in my life who were praying for me. That was their way of carrying the mat for me. And what happened was one day I finally recognized that I'm in need. And after I had an incredible encounter with Jesus, I knew that the church had some incredible people who cared and that would help me find strength in Jesus. And by the grace of God and by the love and support of those around me, I was changed. And I knew I had to devote the rest of my life to sharing this hope with others. Now that's not the call for everyone. You don't have to go into full-time ministry if Jesus grabs a hold of your heart. But I knew that that's what he was calling me into. And I think that's what I love about this is because I didn't live the perfect life and I'm like, oh, everything's been great and easy and I made all the right decisions. This was me. (laughs) It's not actually my photo, but that was my life. But by the grace of God, I was changed and I became part of the church because we are the church. And one of the best things the church has taught me is that there are times that we as followers of Jesus need to help others. We need to carry the mat for them. 
There's other times where we just need to walk alongside the mat. And whether we like it or not, there are times that we need to be on the mat and allow ourselves to be carried by others. That's the beauty of being the church. We are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We're broken people who are saved by the grace of Jesus, loving those who are hurting and in need of healing. Because listen, we're all someone in need, and we can all be someone who cares. Because by the grace of Jesus, we can all be changed. So in the words of my son Landon, let's go. (laughs) We are the church. So let's just say that together. Who are we? We are the church. Just pray with me. Heavenly Father, empower us by the grace of Jesus to be your church. And as we're praying today, if there's someone in your life who's not a follower of Jesus and you just want to pray for them, just take a moment and do that now. Pray for the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus, to invite them out to church, If there's someone you know that's not a follower of Jesus and you want to pray for them, do you also mind just lifting your hand so I can pray with you? I won't single you out. I just want to be praying for you and with you. Thanks. And if you don't have a name, well, I'm just going to encourage you to take time this week to look around. Try not to be so preoccupied. I know life's busy, family's busy, work's busy, but who has God brought around us that we can be paying attention to? And I just encourage you to ask God for his help to fall in love with broken people, people who need hope and healing just like us. So Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you do miracles and that you draw these people to the grace of your son, Jesus. And as we keep praying, without looking around, some of you are in need. And the good news is Jesus, or the good news is you came to the right place because you may feel the burden and the weight of your sin. And maybe you don't know where you stand in your relationship with Jesus. I went to church for years before actually knowing Jesus. And some of you may be similar right now. You wonder where you stand with God. But let me tell you, He came for people like that guy in the drug bust. He came for people who are broken, for people who have sinned in a massive way, people who feel ashamed, feel guilty. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. He came for people like me and came for people like you. And what did he do? He was the perfect son of God in every way who shed his blood to defeat the powers of hell so our sins could be forgiven. And God raised him from the dead so that anyone, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, when you call on his name, all of your sins will be forgiven and you'll be made new. So if you've been looking for something else, but God is offering you salvation, he's going to give you what you need before he gives you what you want. So if your prayer today is just, God, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I want to know you. I step away from my old life today. I'm surrendering by faith and giving you my life. If that's your prayer, just lift up your hand so I can celebrate with you and help you take your next steps toward Jesus. Thanks. 
So I'm just going to invite everyone to pray this prayer with me. You can say it out loud if you want or just in the quietness of your heart, but let's just all recommit our lives to Christ. So, Heavenly Father, forgive all my sins. Jesus, save me. Make me feel brand new. Fill me with your Spirit so I can know you and serve you and follow you. My life is not mine. I give my whole life to you. Thank you for new life. You have all of mine. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, let's continue to worship in song now and celebrate being the church. <laughs>